Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And I'm delighted to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Lydia Sue, partner with Foster Sue. Lydia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, LA. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm delighted to have you on the podcast. It's been too long since we've caught up. I think last time we talked might have been pre-pandemic. How have things been going for your firm? Things are going great. I mean, the family law world has definitely not stopped and our firm has grown in the last year. We've been very blessed. I am really excited for you to share your story and Kara's story with our listeners. So tell us about how you both started your law firm and how it's gone. So Kara and I started our firm. It's been about two and a half years ago now. We both worked together at a prior large family law firm. And we decided at some point in time, early in our career, that we wanted to have more control over the type of clients we represent and our work-life balance. Both of us have young children and you know, work-life balance is always a struggle for any attorney, but especially I think for practicing parents with young children. So we decided that you know, it was time to do it and we went off on our own. We really wanted to create the right firm environment for us and for our family, as well as for our staff. So we left in early 2019. We both ended up having children <laughs> during <laughs> the first half year of our firm, but it's been going great. We really, you know, it's a decision that we would never take back now. And if anything, we may have done it sooner if we could go back and, and do it again. <laughs> sure. But, but, you know, it's been a great step for our career as well as for our personal lives. Awesome. I love that personal focus that that you both prioritized when you started your firm. And so now that you're uh, a couple of years in, how has the growth of the firm been for you both? It's been great. We've been very lucky to have a great network behind us and, you know, support partners, people who are referring to us constantly. We've had some great law clerks come work for us. We actually are looking to expand. And so that's always a scary part of, of the business growth. But, but the, you know, we can't complain. Things have been great. That is awesome. I know so many of my clients, when they think about starting their own law firm, the number one question they have is, what happens when I leave my firm and I start my new firm? How am I going to get clients? And so Lydia, when you and Kara were thinking through that, what was your strategy? And then how did that how did that go over the first year or two of your firm? So we, before we started our firm, we already were really actively networking. And I think we were strategic with our networking. So really cluing in on what are the type of people who possibly could give us, you know, or refer to us that ideal client. What does our ideal client look like? What type of clients do we want? And then making sure that we are actively referring to either those people or the people who are referring to those people, right? So while we may not have a whole lot of, for example, immigration cases that we could refer out to immigration attorneys, 
we, we re- recognize that immigration attorneys could refer a lot to us. A lot of immigration, family immigration attorneys deal with family issues, deal with, you know, fiance visas, which could potentially mean that they, you know, these are individuals who need a prenup. So really meeting, going out of our way to meet those individuals and finding out who are referring to them and connecting with those people as well to build this, you know, network of let's all help each other out and make sure that, you know, the the clients are being put with the right type of attorney, the right personality for them. That is a terrific summary of how to build a powerful referral network, Lydia. So you attorney entrepreneurs out there, I hope you're taking notes because that was textbook. And Lydia, I'm really curious to find out, you know, these are the concepts that that we teach our clients too at Law Firm Success Group. And so how did you learn about those concepts, like the ideal client and then figuring out, you know, referral partners and building that referral network? How did you learn about those concepts? And then how did you actually apply them? Was it something you did kind of organically or did you go off on like weekend retreats or would love to hear more about that? Sure. So I would say that probably learning from other individuals has been you know, really how we've we've developed our networking strategy. So individuals like you, LA, you know, I know early on we met with you even before we started our firm, just to kind of get tips and hints on what should we be doing now as we gear up, meeting with other really powerful networking partners, people who may not refer directly to us, but people who we know are connecting other individuals, right? There's a couple of those individuals out there that we work really closely with. While we may not refer directly to them, they may not refer directly to me. I know that I can turn to those individuals and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody in this niche area. Who do you know? And organically from there, meeting with all those individuals that we're connected with, And at the end of each meeting with these individuals, I ask them, okay, who's referring to you? What kind of people can I connect you with? And in in turn, they usually will say, you know, is there anybody I can connect you with? And then slowly through that growing our, our network. We didn't do any retreats. We didn't really take any courses on it, but we really did take advantage of networking groups and the individuals that we met in those networking groups as well as doing things organically on the side on our own. You know, Lydia, that is a a super powerful approach. And I hope, again, people are listening because you might be thinking to yourself, if you're listening to this, oh, this is all obvious stuff and it's really simple. And it is. But the difference here is that Lydia and Kara put it into action. They joined networking groups. They took the time to figure out their ideal client and they took the time to figure out who their good referral partners would be and how they can connect with them and help them. And they've also built it into their process. Whenever they're connecting with someone one-on-one in a a networking meeting, they're looking to help that other person. So lots of best practices there. And Lydia, I'm so glad to hear that things have really taken off for you both. And so fast forward a couple of years, you and Kara both both have now a family and your firm has done really well in the first two years and looking to grow. What are some of the things you're dealing with these days? So I would say on a personal and also business side, the work-life balance is a big struggle right now. Like I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest priorities for myself, as well as our big priority for our staff is family. You know, firms are really stressing the importance of that work-life balance much more now than they have in the past, which is great because I do think it's really easy in the legal field to get burned out. So for us, it's been 
you know, what does that mean? Does that mean we set insane early hours and work late? So we're available for our children. Does it mean we leave work early sometimes? Does it mean we just set realistic expectations for our family members, you know, our spouses and our children? Whatever works for for each individual in our firm, you know, we've realized that it can be done. So for me, it's, I wake up early whenever I can, I review my schedule for the day, prioritize my tasks, address, you know, whatever emails I can before the kids wake up. Then I'm with them until I drop them off at school or childcare, as long as I'm not in court. In the rare occasion where I have an emergency to address, then, you know, our village steps in to help, which is great to have. But generally I prioritize that time for them. And then I usually work until the late afternoon then my time really shifts back to my family until the evening. And then once the kids are in bed, I again have time that I, if I need to, I can focus on work. I will say I purposefully do not work many evenings though, because having the balance for myself is also important, not (laughs) just, you know, spending all of my free time, you know, with my kids and then spending all my time working when I, when I don't have my kids, you know, up and being involved in their life. But you know, even when they're sleeping, having that balance, that self-care is important also for my mental health. And so I think this last year and a half with the pandemic, you know, I've, a lot of people have taken time to really prioritize what, what is important to them. And, you know, work is important, of course, and having a, a great firm is important. And we are very passionate about our firm and what we do, you know, but the firm is a job for our employees. And so we never want them to feel like the firm is their life. Absolutely. It's it's great that you've stuck to your guns on that. I know when you have a successful firm, it is easy to just say yes to those clients that want to work with you desperately. And it can be right. really hard to set those boundaries. Right. I agree. You know, we've turned away a lot of business and it's always scary to do that, but we are really striving to build the right environment for our firm as well as for ourselves. And taking on every client isn't necessarily the the way to do it, right? I know that you're you've taught a lot about taking the time off. You can make vacations happen. You can, you know, have a life while you run a successful firm. And so we're really working towards that. Awesome. Awesome. And what are you know you mentioned you're hiring. And so that's you know something that can help. It sounds like you're already hyper efficient with how you manage your day so that you have time with your family and your young family at that. And you also have time for your clients and your firm, but that can still only take you so far. And so you mentioned you're hiring. How do you see that factoring into work-life balance? Um, So still figuring that part out. (laughs) Hiring is probably for us the scariest part of growth because we, we know that if you get the wrong personality in, it really could, you know, tank your productivity and it could really create a toxic work environment in some cases. So we are more focused on finding the right person than getting somebody in right away. You know, yes, we'd love to have somebody here so we can take on those cases, some of the cases that we are turning away, but ultimately it's about that right fit for our firm. Just like we want our clients to be right fit for us and for us to be right fit for our clients. So it's, it's scary because of that, but it's also scary because I know that we're going to spend a lot of time gearing this individual up, but hope we're hoping that if it's the right fit and the right individual, you know, Kara and I can balance our time and really dedicate a certain amount of time each week to working with this individual to get them geared up. Awesome. And so it sounds like some training is going to be required as you were trying to figure out 
the kind of attorney you wanted to hire. What were your thoughts around seniority and how much experience you wanted them to have? So initially, we really had the mindset of bringing somebody in new or even maybe somebody who was a law clerk, you know, post bar, waiting for results, because we then would have some sort of a trial period almost with them before they became, you know, an attorney. But we found very quickly that those types of individuals take a lot more time than somebody who has maybe a year or two or three of experience. So again, it's scary because of the financial piece, right? If we're bringing somebody on with more seniority, we have to be able to pay for them. But time is money. And, you know, if we're spending a lot of time gearing somebody up and they're cheap, but they're cheaper, um, but we're spending a lot of time you know, how much of our billable time are we spending training this individual? And what does that translate to dollar-wise? And we found that we probably should focus more on the, you know, maybe one to three year range. So somebody who knows drafting, knows the forms, is able to really take on the projects that we want them to do without a whole lot of instruction. And then, you know, yes, there will be training because every firm does things a little bit differently, but at least we won't have to walk through, you know, drafting a petition with them or drafting a response, you know, line by line. They'll have some of the basics down. And that is exactly the the thinking process that my clients usually go through when they're looking to hire. And right now, all of my clients are trying to hire. So we're going to have that conversation in a moment, but there is that strong temptation because it's expensive. There's a real temptation to hire someone who is inexperienced most attorneys, when they hire somebody, are already at maximum capacity. So they don't have the time to train somebody. It takes a lot of time and effort to really train someone who doesn't have the experience. They may be less expensive, but you're going to pay for it with time. And I'm glad, Lydia, that you and Kara have recognized that. And so you're shooting for someone uh, with more experience. And what I would encourage you both to do is look for someone with the most experience that you feel comfortable and then set the rates appropriately so that you're still going to be making uh, a good profit on them because both of your both of your time is money. And so the more that they can take off your plate, the better off that you will both be and the more cases you can bring into the firm. Completely agree. And so in my book, Staffing Up, one of the things we do is we go through several different hiring habits that attorneys should be doing to bring on terrific ads to their law firm. What are some of the things that you're doing to attract new talent? So we aren't actively publicizing. We don't have an ad out yet. We did for a while and we, through that ad, ended up hiring two law clerks. One was a post-bar law clerk. One is a law clerk who was in school. And they've been able to take on some of the projects to relieve some of the drafting that Karen and I would have needed to do, almost like a temporary Mm band-aid for the solution while we find that right individual. But we've really been reaching out to our network. And I know, like you said, right now, everybody is hiring. It's very difficult to get the right candidate. And we aren't desperate to the point where we're going to spend a whole lot of energy on finding somebody. Yes, it would be nice to get somebody in because we are you know, working a lot and it's very busy, but it's manageable right now. And I think we're, we're very happy right now with how we've been able to manage. 
again, it's more for us, it's more about finding that right fit. So we've really been reaching out to our network. We've been reaching out to other family law attorneys who we know have also been hiring or have recently hired and said, you know, were there other candidates you were, you were considering? We'd love to see their resumes. We'd love to chat with them and see if they're a right fit. But we aren't rushing it because, again, I think if the wrong fit comes in, it's a much it's a much worse situation than if we kind of bear where we're at and deal with it until we bring in the right person. Yeah. That old saying, right? Hire slow. And so you want to make sure that the person you're bringing in is going to be someone who is going to add to the firm, especially when you have such a small firm where your values are so important. If someone doesn't share those values and is, or is unable to perform, it could be a real problem for you both. So glad to hear you're taking your time. You also want to keep things moving forward. And so as you've had these conversations with uh, other law firms in your network, how have those gone in terms of candidates? So we've received a couple of uh, resumes recently that seem pretty promising. Kara and I have both been in trial for the last month or so, and we have one or two trials coming up. So once these trials are done or we're in a holding pattern where we can bring on somebody for an interview, we've already reached out to at least one candidate. So hopefully we can get that interview in. And depending on whether this person is a good fit or not, we may or may not need to pursue more. But one of the other things that we're doing that I didn't mention earlier is also not just reaching out to attorneys that are hiring, but asking people that we know who are either in law school or have recently passed, if they know anybody. And it might not be, you know, somebody who's in our field directly. But for example, I have a lot of friends in the criminal field and just reaching out to them saying, hey, do you know anybody who's looking in the family law world? Because, you know, I would rather hire somebody again where the personality works. And if they know somebody that they trust who might be interested in either making the switch to family law or who is in family law, just we don't know that they exist and that they uh, are looking, that'll be a way to kind of broaden our the net. You never know who your network knows. And Correct. you're taking that next step and actually asking these people. So I know my clients, you know, we, it sometimes takes a lot of effort to get them to do these kinds of things. So just share with our audience about, you know, roughly how much time does it take you and Kara to do this outreach if you were to say on a per week or per month basis? Well, the outreach itself, I don't know if I can quantify it in how many hours we spend, but I do keep it top of mind. So if I'm having a conversation with a networking partner about, you know, a a potential referral, or, you know, if I'm having lunch with somebody, I will bring it up in almost every meeting that I have. And I have for the past two months or so. So, you know, if I'm spending, I don't know, 15% of my time doing business development and networking for each one of those meetings, I'm bringing it up at least with one of those, one of the people in that, that group or that, that networking meeting I'm, I'm in. When you're hiring, it's really, and and you're doing a lot of networking, that ask is just an extension of your business development. It doesn't take any more time. Correct. Correct. And so I hope you are all listening to that. But the key thing here to understand is that it is far easier to get clients than it is to hire somebody. And so like Lydia is doing, you have to keep it top of mind. And in all of your business development conversations and all of your networking conversations, you have, you know, that you have to include that one ask. Hey, we're hiring. Who do you know? Or who would you recommend? That is so, so powerful. And as you can see, Lydia is able to get at least one promising candidate and possibly more. Who knows? So it does work even in today's hiring environment. 
And Lydia, I have one more question for you around hiring, which is because it's such a competitive environment and big law is offering you know, lots of perks and salary and quality of life now and a lot of other things. How is it that you're looking to differentiate your firm to attract candidates? And I think it has to do with, it goes back to our firm philosophy, right? And building that right firm environment. I know a lot of big firms are promising work-life balance. And I know that with the ability to work from home, a lot of them are being able to achieve some of that. We are offering work from home. We do offer a lot of firm events. For example, we're taking our staff on a spa date, you know, this later this week. So it's important for us to have that connection, even if we are working remotely. But that work-life balance is a big sell for us. We're not, we're flexible with hours. We're flexible with part-time. We understand that you might have to take your kid to the dentist or the doctor. You know, we're not micromanaging the the hours that they're working and they're sitting at their desk in a day. We're prioritizing the good work, getting the good work product out, making sure that you're available for the clients, you know, when you need to be, but also again, being happy and making sure our employees are happy because happier employees are more productive employees, right? So that providing a good work-life balance is not only good for for us, it's good for, and not only good for the employees, but it's good for the firm growth as well. Yes, it absolutely is. And in the olden days, perhaps they were focused more on profit versus work-life balance, but things have changed. You know, uh, people have gotten a little bit more enlightened, a little bit, a little bit uh, more aware of the toll that it takes for, you know, just working, working, working. And we don't have to do that anymore. And so the firms that embrace that, that work-life balance that embrace, you know, remote work and that are trying to build something special are the firms that are going to win in the end. And in my book, Staffing Up, which is by the way, available on Amazon, if you want to go check it out, audiobook is coming out soon. We talk about hiring habits. And one of the things that we talk about is building your your dream team, really. If you could wave a magic wand, who would you want to have in your firm? And that's an interesting way to think about the kind of person that you really, really want. And once you have that list built up, you can simply go back to those people and have a conversation with them and say, hey, who would you recommend? Right. And maybe they raise their hand about your firm. Maybe they don't and refer somebody else. But those are the people that can be some of the most effective uh, referral partners for new candidates. And then in addition to that, being so passionate about your firm and understanding your firm's value and how it's different from other firms is not only going to be helpful in bringing in the right kind of person, but also keeping the right kind of person. There's a myth out there that a lot of attorneys will jump ship for a little bit more money. Generally speaking, that's not true. Um, Attorneys that are happy, Lydia, like you mentioned, that are happy, that are satisfied, that are feel like they're, they're being valued, are being paid appropriately, are enjoying themselves, love their team, those attorneys aren't going anywhere. (laughs) They are going to stay for as long as they possibly can. And so creating that kind of an experience for your firm, creating that strong culture, creating that strong bond is what's not only going to attract people to the firm, but also keep them long-term. And I love how you and Kara are driving that in your firm, Lydia. And if I can just add one more thing to that, just to jump off of what you're saying there, I think that if you have a firm that your employees love, that your associates feel some sort of ownership in, if there is an opportunity that arises with more money, those individuals are going to be more likely to come talk to you about it, to give you an opportunity to discuss, okay, well, what do you need to to stay or what 
what do you need to be happy here? You know, let's see if we can work it out versus just, you know, jumping ship without saying anything. Yeah. Right. Here's my letter of resignation. I'll see you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Here's two weeks, figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I, I completely agree. I love your approach that you and Kara are doing. You both take action and that's what we love in our clients as well. And you're taking action right now to attract some, some candidates and you are having some success in what is probably the toughest hiring environment I have ever seen. So uh, congratulations to, to you and Kara Lydia on, on your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as you look out over the next year, year and a half, what are some of the things that really excites you about Foster Soup? So I think the growth is very exciting. Again, always, you know, whenever you hire, it's exciting. We'd love to bring on, you know, in the next five years, at least two or three associates. So that's really our goal. Again, we're happy with how things are going, but we really do see that we we see the work there. We see the need for, for good attorneys and we're happy to bring on the right candidates. We're also excited on, you know, a personal side of just being able to do more things with our family now that the, you know, now that we're able to do a little bit of traveling kind of, you know, hopefully the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) eases up, but being able to take some bigger vacations, Kara and I have talked about, you know, every other year, we'd like to take an international trip together. And so we're, we're looking forward to that. And the success that we have with the firm allows us to be able to do that. That is terrific. Yeah. I, I haven't done my month off since 2019 I'm restarting it in 2022. So next July, I'll be I'll be out of pocket, and we've got some special things planned that hopefully will will hit as well. So that's great to hear that you're living your values, your firm, and you are both allowing yourselves to have that work life balance too. That is just so important. And Lydia, if someone has you know one to three years experience and is interested in getting into family law, wants to work at a firm where there are spa days and there's a great work life balance and a great focus <laughs> on clients. <laughs> How should they connect with you? So they can contact me via LinkedIn or they can call the office. The office number is 408-841-7200. Our office manager will connect them directly with either me or Kara and we can we can chat. Awesome. Lydia, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today. It was a pleasure catching up. Thank you, LA. It was a pleasure being here. That's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, We would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.